Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Style podcast on a Wednesday. Got to talk some USC football offseason talk. Big into the recruiting weeds right now. Lots of recruiting stuff going on. There's some team stuff going on. Uh, we're going to talk all about all of that with Keely. You are follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. She's in studio with me right now and's got a lot of newsy stuff to talk about. You know, I try not to pay attention to stuff, so I'm going to you know see what Keely has to say. <laughs> Just kidding, though. Keely, how are you doing? What a great strategy, Ryan. Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, just let you uh, take care of what's going on, you know, and I'll go out and, uh, you know, I play a little volleyball this morning. I'm not going to lie. That was good. So hopefully there wasn't any breaking news. No, I, I, for once, I don't think there was this morning. There seems to be a lot of it, like lately, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. There's newsy stuff. And of course, that happens when the dead period ends. So that's at least nice. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the craziest recruiting month. We did a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez. Good stuff, by the way. Last week. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. We'll try to do it again. Um, But yeah, we've never seen. A month like this, especially in like June, where you have every weekend there's stuff going on. You know, there's like, oh, this visit got canceled. Oh, there's two new visits. And mm-hmm. oh, this guy came. And oh, this guy committed. And even during the week, too. Yeah. There's a week official visit. So pretty crazy. There's a lot of crazy Weekday. stuff. Yeah. But we'll talk about the latest commitments and all the newsy stuff here in a minute. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we'll get to all of those too. But you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address where you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got four voicemails today. Look at that. Text message. No, yeah. So people are still engaging Keely in uh, in late June. So we love cool. it. We love hearing from you guys. And it's going to be, I think someone posted on the board like 74 days until kickoff. So it's coming around the corner and I'm very excited. It's almost July. PRPs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be some PRPs, like very limited, but there'll be some sure. you know, that we can uh, check out. So that'll be cool. Some more camps and things like mm-hmm. you know, the Elite 11 coming up. But there's a lot of stuff uh, going on there. We got the date for Pac-12 Media Day too. July 27th, I, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It's still in Hollywood, but it's not Hollywood and Highland. Um, it's where just, was it? It's at the W or I forget which one. There's some, I think it's still on like Hollywood Boulevard, but it's not going to be at Hollywood and Highland, which is kind of a pain in the butt to get to. Not for me, but yes. <laughs> so oh, that's true. You're the one time by. I don't have to drive like an hour to get anywhere. But yes. No, I, I mean, for me, once we get the Pac-12 Media Day date, that's like, okay, we're, we're going. It's close. We're coming down the hill. Football is near. I'm yeah. I'm excited. And George Klyavkov, like he'll be uh, the commissioner then right. in a few days. Pretty crazy. July 1st is going to be a big deal because then, you know, he takes over for the outgoing Larry Scott. Yay. Uh, we'll give some applause for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play, I'll play this drop too. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Champagne Larry will be gone. So uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, great news there. But also, this name, image, and likeness stuff is uh, it's going to be kicking into gear. Yep. yep. We got to talk to our buddy Jake Olson because his company, Engage, is like right in it. They just did an article on ESPN about him and his, uh, you know, college roommate Daniel. And they, you know, I, I talked to both those guys a lot. So we have to get them on and yeah. talk about this NIL stuff because I mean they were on Sports Center this morning, I believe. Oh, they so, were. Yeah. yeah. So look at that. Well, they're big time. So hopefully they'll still talk to us. Yeah. I think well, they will. Who knows? Who knows? I think they still will. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, and if you uh, if you have the Apple Podcasting app on any of your devices, we would appreciate a five star rating, and you can leave us any kind of uh, comments, feedback, suggestions within your review. But that five star rating really does help grow the show. So please go there and do that. If you haven't done that for a while, you go hey. Go to the Peristyle Podcast, but also follow us there. It used to be called Subscribe. Now it's called Follow, but follow the Peristyle Podcast and uh, get that. You can get not just us, but Family Feud. Yeah. Plug. They're all on hey, there. Um, look at that. Shotgun. Has Shotgun done one of his lately? He hasn't, huh? No, he's been all over the place. Yeah, he's doing all his baseball stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, make sure you check that stuff out. Well, Keely, so we yes. got some... Uh, Breaking news to uh, chat about. What? Where do you want to start? I don't know. I mean, do we need to thank Trader Joe's too? Oh my gosh! Uh, how <laughs> do we not thank Trader Joe's? Right? I just th- yeah. Um, it's you know the Fourth of July is coming up. It is. Do you, that's a big one. And 
here in California, going to be open. It's a big like, deal. It's a big deal. I, you know, last year I couldn't do it. I live in Hermosa Beach. Pretty big deal down there for 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to go out, do your barbecue stuff. Trader Joe's has a lot of great stuff. It's funny. Uh, I golfed with my buddy Dan the other day. And for Father's Day, he was coming home, and I'm like, "What? What are you gonna do?" It's like his wife was gonna make him the Trader Joe's steak tips. You know, the, you know, those are like you're a big fan of those. And that he's the one that actually introduced me to them. Oh, uh, okay. But any sort of like barbecue stuff that you need, uh, drinks, you know, bottles of wine, fun, fun beers, little cool six packs of different beers that you would like, uh, microbrew stuff and everything. You can get all that at Trader Joe's. Uh, great chips, salsa. It was, Anything you need. Uh, unique over stuff, there. too. It's a good touch. Like, bring a unique touch mm. to the, the barbecue or whatnot. There's been one of those things where just always, uh, like, you go to, like, a party or something back when we had them. I think you're having them again. Yeah. And someone has, like, this thing, like, what is that? And, like, oh, I got a Trader Joe's. I'm like, I've never seen that. And, like, oh, it's on this aisle or whatever. Like, that happens so many times. Right? You know? like, it's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. So you just have to, like, go find it. So, you know, you go to a party. So go go through all the aisles. Find something that you like. Conversation starter. How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Exactly. And they definitely have the cool White Claw. I think it's like flavor packet number three or something. Oh, like, crazy. They're all good. Like there's usually like the White Claw things like there's a lime or something you don't like, like lemon. Like I don't want that. But the, the new one has all like it's like watermelon, raspberry, like everything's good. Like Oh, all, okay. Yeah. Good to know. So they have the Trader Joe's too. But thanks to Trader Joe's again. And uh, well, let's get to the news that I already play, played the bump for since I, <laughs> I blew the Trader Joe's one. It's okay. Yeah. Well, okay. We talked about this on the Family Feud podcast, but I think we should talk about it here, Ryan, because you and I didn't have a podcast last week. Uh, Michael Williams, the five-star mm. 2022 defensive lineman who committed to USC last week. And I think we need to talk about it just because it's notable that USC got a big defensive lineman out of SEC country. You know, he's a guy who had offers from Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and he ultimately just decided to commit to USC after his official visit um, a couple uh, a week ago or two weeks ago now. Um, big thing for USC to pick up and big pickup for Vic Soto too. So I think, you know, we get a lot of questions on the podcast. Where are the big guys, the big linemen go to the SEC country? Well, look at this. USC did it. And so I think this is a, a sign that uh, USC's efforts in putting in a, a better support staff, uh, beefing up the recruiting staff uh, really is, is paying off at, at this point in time. For sure. And uh, what, what do we hear from the people on the peristyle, Keely? Like when they get a commitment from a, another cornerback or a wide receiver, it's like, where are the linemen? Where are the linemen? Like, yeah. Well, there's one. There's a five star from SEC country. Yes. Um, you got to hope the USC didn't go, you know, a little too quickly out of the gate and uh, that's they can still be recruited. But, you, you know, bird in the hand, you know, you'd rather like you'd rather get that commitment when you can. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't think you wait on that. You want to make sure you get a guy like him in your 2022 class because the momentum that brings to that class is invaluable. You know, you want to other commits to, or other prospects, excuse me, to see, hey, this guy from from Georgia something's going on at USC if he's going to go cross country and go commit there. Um, and, and, you know, they have Corey Foreman. And, you know, it's the the momentum that you gain on the recruiting trail when you pick up guys like a Michael Williams is so invaluable that even if you're putting a huge target on his back for uh, uh, the likes of Bama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State to, to circle the water and try and poach him, I still think it's valuable to uh, to get that commitment. So you show that, hey, we're you if you're USC speaking, we're doing work in the month of June and our official visits are actually paying off. So um I, I think it definitely is a good sign that the recruiting efforts are are working. Yeah, and I gave we talked about this with Gerard uh last week a little bit, but you gotta give props to uh the plan that they put in place as far as upgrading the assistant coaches. There aren't assistant coaches anymore that are part-time at best recruiters, and you've seen that quite a bit. There's also an amazing support system around the people that work on the social media and the videos and all that stuff. All that's a huge part of recruiting nowadays in the the modern recruiting world. And USC just sort of like kept doing things the way they were doing them. And I think one of the things Mike Bone saw their deficiencies there and they addressed a lot of them. And I feel like now you can have a staff that's, it's not like, you know, it's just Gavin, like trying to figure out, like bringing in a whole bunch of guys, like you're not bringing in this many guys week after week after week and moving guys around midweek guys getting commitments. If you don't have, you know, having like two or three support staffers on the recruiting side, like, Oh yeah, they needed all those guys. And it helps just with the logistics of 
getting all those guys on campus and everything, you know, campus is still closed basically. Right. So you got to like yeah. all the stuff you have to do. There's a lot. And, uh, there's a lot more eyes dotted and T's crossed now than there were then. And you're never going to be on top of everything, but you got to give yourself a shot. And before it was just sort of like, they weren't, it didn't seem like they were on top of almost anything. Now they are. And you have these huge weekends and you get big commitments like that. And I think it allows you to kind of build some momentum. They picked up more since then. So I think the plan that they put in place is working. You still got to win on the field. Yeah, uh, you course. might lose guys if uh, you know you lose some games that you shouldn't lose to, mm-hmm. uh, to some teams you shouldn't lose to. But this is the kind of foundation you want to build on. And it's, it's a weird recruiting time, too, because there's just far less commitments right now in this process than there was before when you couldn't take visits. People were just kind of like, well, I'm not waiting to go see this school. It's basically what, what's my impression now. It's probably not going to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for as much as we say that USC fans are glad that uh, the recruiting staff is beefed up, like you mentioned, I think Gavin Morris is the happiest guy that that uh, has been beefed up. I mean, no one could have anticipated, you know, one, the pandemic, but this recruiting month that came in June because of how long the dead period was. And just imagine if USC didn't have a rebuilt, revamped staff that they do now. There's no way they're pulling off this type of crazy month or getting commitments from five-star defensive linemen uh, in Georgia. You know, that's just not not, not a thing we would have seen. So yeah. uh, props to uh, Mike Bowen and Brandon Sosna for seeing that and for anticipating how big uh, NLI would be because that's something we're hearing from a lot of recruits. They really like USC's NLI presentation. And that's something where not only was USC like aware of it, they were ahead of it. And that's not something we usually are saying about USC. Like, hey, there, there's something evolving in college football and USC recognized that and is trying to get ahead of it. Like that's, that's, that's a new thing that we're talking about here. So yes. I think that deserves some credit too because i think that's a big selling point for not only prospects but their their families as well that's something that is impressive to them so yeah. uh, big props for them there but yeah so they picked up michael williams it sounds good he's friends with Kristen miller another uh, defensive lineman out of georgia and that seems like it's trending in a good direction as well so stay tuned for that yeah uh, but two commitments uh this week First off, Jaden Gold, who took an official visit to USC, I believe, two weeks ago. He's a 2022 four-star cornerback. He's from New Jersey, not a state we mention a lot. Another state, yeah. 62190. Like Brian Cushing or something. Like, it's been <laughs> yeah, a while, yeah. I think they got. And it was interesting, and I think you and Gerard talked about this, but coming into his official visit, everyone was like, well, he's a Penn State lock. You know, they were like, this is kind of weird. Okay, he's going to USC, but what's going to happen there? And then on Father's Day, he commits to to USC, and that's a big credit to Dante Williams. He talked about a lot how he really liked Dante. He's a genuine guy. He wants to be coached by him. And so, again, it's Dante doing Dante things. <laughs> There's a lot of positive threads about Dante Williams on the Peristyle just because they're like – Of course. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a recruiter extraordinaire. Um, and Jane also built a connection with uh, – five-star modern-day defensive back, Damani Jackson. Uh, so that's good, too. You're you're co- connecting guys in the class. So that's big for USC. I mean, they're picking up uh, some top prospects and and guys that people didn't think they would get. So that's another credit to the recruiting staff and, and the coaches who are actually doing the, the, part of, the recruiting part of their jobs as well. Um, yeah. And then a running back pickup, D'Anthony Gatson, or Gatson, I always mess that up, a three-star running back from East Texas. He's actually the third running back from East Texas that USC has picked up. Um, Keonta Ingram and then Darwin Barlow, the TCU transfer. Uh, he took an official visit. It was kind of a, a under-the-radar uh, official visit. And then, uh, so now USC on the whole has... Uh, three running backs to make up for kind of what they lost. So they have 2018, 2019, and 2020, 2021. So you're kind of building up that that running back roster a little bit more yeah. because um, you, steps you, gone, step, cars gone, cars yeah. gone. So you're you're building that back up. Uh, and so he he apparently he breaks tackles well. Top end speed is a, a question mark going forward, but that's another guy that uh, another depth piece that USC is adding to that running back room. Yeah, it's interesting, and I think. You know, picking up those guys certainly helps the class. We've seen the recruiting landscape change significantly, right? Like, there's been curveballs thrown. If you remember a couple years ago, they started off with the early signing period that would be in late December. And not only did USC not, like, anticipate how that would go, like, they were behind the curve for sure. Everyone else started signing huge classes. In, in December, and USC was like, oh, we'll sign a couple of guys, and the main thing will be in February. Well, most of the guys were gone by then. 
they picked it up, but they were a, a late developer to stuff like that. And like you mentioned with NLI being a, you know on that train uh, early on, seeing the trends as far as like as soon as the you know dead period ends, you got to hit it hard. And they've done that. They've done that well. So I feel like knowing the landscape, feeling it out, having the kind of staff that they have that they've put together, it, you're much better off being able to anticipate changes to what's going on in the recruiting world. And I think they've nailed all that stuff. And you mentioned, you know, you know, getting more guys committed, uh, losing running backs, picking up running backs. The running back thing is going to be situ- is weird just because, you know, they haven't run the ball well, right? And the, the air raid, yeah. you're not sure. Um, you know, Dante Williams could recruit 15 more cornerbacks, I think, if you wanted to. But <laughs> With his eyes closed. <laughs> probably not going to, like, be good. If they were all, like, remember we said, like, Taylor Mays, like, he could maybe have played, like, like a lot of positions like you could have you know they maybe get some guys like that but <laughs> there's a lot of dbs a lot of yeah. you know you need that um but you hope that everyone else can kind of recruit at that level too yeah uh, the one one of the questions was you know mike jinx and the, the guys that he's brought in but i think with the transfers and uh picking up the latest commitment it seems like that's trending in the right direction at least yeah i will say though they were eyeing gavin sawchuck uh who was a four-star running back he ended up committing to oklahoma on the same day that uh gatson committed to usc so they did lose out on him i think he i believe he took a official visit to usc two weeks ago right he was Um, there yeah 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 yeah. so that was a guy that they they definitely wanted to get or at least had in their sights so uh, they didn't end up getting him and i mean it's it's hard you know when you're not when you don't have a real good product to sell you have to get the guys who think that they can be instant impact guys or, you know, can buy in into uh, the scheme or the coaching staff because otherwise it's you're you're looking at the yards from last season and you go, OK, where am I going to get my touches or, you know, how yeah. am I going to do this? So it, it's a tough sell for sure. And so that's going to be harder than, like you mentioned, a Dante Williams who can just recruit out of his mind and, and show the product of guys who he's developed uh, since he's been at USC. So it's definitely different. It's it's different. And you're sort of selling like on the future stuff. Like yeah. here's why, you know, I, I think if you're Mike Jenks, if you're, um, you know, Graham Harrell, if you're Clay Helton, you have to be able to know that that's going to be something that comes up. You know, if you're if you're Oklahoma and you're talking to, you know, uh, any running back that's looking at USC and you're like. That's cool. That they just throw the ball. Like we, they didn't run the ball. Like we throw the ball a lot. We throw it all over the field and we run. You know. Yeah. Um. And and you you likely obviously have the negative recruiting of hey look they just had two guys transfer out like you're it's going to be hard selling that because you obviously have guys who seem on the outside at least disgruntled with their production and whatnot. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think recruiting is definitely on the. Uh, where are they ranked right now? Ninth. They are ninth in the, the country ninth. right now. Unless so, someone dropped or uh, last I checked yesterday, they were ninth. Yeah. Which is big. And Dante Williams is now, I believe, the number one recruiter in the nation. Just, I mean, he's got, he's getting like everybody. Like, yeah. uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. First what? in the Pac-12, ninth nationally. Yeah. So there you go. Not bad. Uh, they got to <laughs> hold off Oregon. And uh, there's still some big names out there, even for the class of. 2020, right? We have or some questions. 2021, you mean? I am sorry for 2021. Yeah, what, <laughs> I was like, we're not going back to 2020. Oh my god, yeah. So it, like, you get a mix up. Like, what? It's previous year, but the previous year of class and stuff. Yeah, I mean, if what you're talking about is JT Tuimaloa, <laughs> maybe that guy, maybe the the number one prospect in the 2021 class. Yes. Uh, so we talked about his official visit to USC. Uh, it seemed like his mom really liked it. His family did, um, and then he went to Ohio State. Uh, and that was the weekend visit that he had. It was interesting. We weren't sure how it was going to play out, but Ohio State's like entire coaching staff met him at the airport, and it was oh, like geez. a huge media affair. Like it was, it was a big deal. And and sometimes, like especially the the Polynesian guys, are a little bit low key. You know, they don't like all the fanfare like that. But apparently, he liked that. Like that they were trying to show that, like obviously, he's an important uh, prospect for them. So. Apparently he was he was impressed. I mean, he if you read uh, Brandon Huffman's article, which go read everything that Huffman <laughs> writes yes. because he is the JT Tuimalau whisperer. He knows if something's happening with JT, he's the guy who will know. Um, so uh, he was said a lot about Ohio State. I was I was kind of surprised by his quotes, but um, so he was impressed. And that's a hard trip for USC uh, to follow up. You know, that's you, you go to USC to Ohio State and you're like, you're wondering how much does USC still have that impression 
after you go to Ohio State. So we'll see about that. Um, as of recording this, he's finishing up his Oregon visit right now. So he okay. was at Oregon Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then he's heading to Alabama this weekend. So it's been a whirlwind. Are they good good at the football? I believe so, Ryan. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so, I mean, I was asking, you know, sources and whatnot, like, is the exhaustion level, like, how is that going to play into JT's, like, decision and whatnot? And, like, apparently he's really exhausted. Understandably so. I mean, he's been flying all over. He hasn't been home very consistently because he'll get home and then have to fly out the next day. I mean, it's a lot to process in two weeks. And if you think about for him... He's been waiting a long time for this, and it's suddenly here. And like we mentioned, he's a 2021 uh, recruit, so he has to figure this out soon. Like, he has to get on a campus. Like, it's not like he's committing and then he's playing another season of high school football. Like, he's got to get on it. So His classmates are on campuses right now. Exactly. And so, like, and of course, this is the luxury. This is something you can do if you're the number one prospect. But it's not ideal because he's going to have to turn around pretty quickly and and figure out where he's going. So it sounds like a decision should be coming soon. Because uh, he has to, he has to get on a campus, whether or not uh, he wants to or not. It's it's time, so uh, we'll see about that. So I mean, it sounds like right now Ohio State is the leader, but Bama, you can never count out Bama because you know they're pretty good at the footballs and the recruiting. Mm. So, <laughs> um, but but yeah, we'll see. I know USC felt good about their visit, but I know it's just a whirlwind for for JT, and so we'll see. Yeah, I give him credit because he really wanted to take visits, and he waited and didn't know when that time was going to come and it started to get to the point where like, yeah, he's probably not going to be able to take visits, but it opened up in June. So it worked out like if it it was a month later, I don't think you could have done this. No, I think you would have wasted too much time. Yeah. This is sort of like the last hurrah. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Hey man, go on those visits, go take your vacations. It's fun. I mean, it's sad because at least he, since he was the number one prospect, he was able to actually get some type of like college recruiting experience, but other guys, his peers weren't able to do what he was able to do. And so it's just sad to see how COVID affected that. But, um, at least he got to get some of the college experience or at least the recruiting experience. Yeah. Um, Another one, uh, it's, you know, this is a preferred walk on, but Brendan Costello. Oh, yes. The uh, dual threat quarterback from Oklahoma State transferred into USC. So he'll be a preferred walk on, but, you know, you got. Uh, it's good preferred walk on to yeah, have. Mohassan goes down with the, uh, the injury. Mm-hmm. And so you get someone, you know, another experienced player that you can uh you know have on the roster yeah i think all usc fans know that you could never have too much depth on the quarterback in the quarterback room because that wonky season where it was like and who else is left because everyone's injured you know so uh definitely good to add depth there and so um and then you have guys you'll have a a more experienced guy pushing guys like jackson dart and miller moss so it never hurt yeah speaking of mo did you see his uh podcast thing i did not yeah uh, it's an interesting one. So he does that video podcast, and uh, there was some there was some weird stuff going on with that. But go check it out. I'll go. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Like he's a he's he's got some talent as far as being. A, I heard that he's a good podcaster. He is a very good podcaster. Oh, look at yeah. that. Go check Maybe it we out. should bring him on. I would love to. Yeah, podcast the podcaster. I, yeah, I mean, especially now with like name, image, and likeness. Like if he builds up his own show. And gets money for advertising and stuff. Like he can make money off of that, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? ahead of the game. Uh, so you you love to see that kind of stuff. Um, I thought like guys like Talano Hufunga would be, uh, you know, really good at that. And, you know, he's in the NFL now, so he'll have time. He has time. Uh, a guy like Mosan, yeah, yeah, probably not going to make it to the NFL. I don't know, maybe he will, but like, I I think if he finds his voice like that, I think we saw Max Brown, you know, yeah. slip into that world too. But the the fact that these student athletes can do it while they're still playing. Um, I think that gives them, you know, a, a leg up there where if like, Hey, you happen to be good at this. It's nice. You get some notoriety because of your, your college, fo- you know, your college football acumen, but yeah, let you let, you know, make some money if you're able to, to create some media platform that people, you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean people want to listen to you on a podcast, right? Like, <laughs> If yeah. you're like, if you're Tom Cruise, and you're like, I'm going to do a podcast. Like there'll be people listen because it's Tom Cruise. But if he was terrible, you're not going to get the kind of viewership that if it would be like a B-level actor that's awesome at podcasting. Sure. Then you're like, oh my God, this guy's great. Like most of the people, like if they're listening to us and they like us, a lot of it's personality too. Like just the chemistry between hosts and all that. But you have to be kind of good at your craft. And 
they care about the subject, but if you're, if they love the subject, but they don't love you or love how you're, you know, you're, you know, projecting yourself and how you're presenting the information, people aren't going to listen. So just because, you know, you might be the best player, like like if you're Drake Jackson, you do a podcast, but it's really hard to listen to. That's awesome. You're a great player, but you know, I'm not saying yes. I have no idea if he would be good at that. No, just get an example. Like, <laughs> just because you you're the best player. I know. But that's great that he, you know, yeah. preferred walk-on quarterback, but he's good at this. So I'm glad, glad to see him get out there and do it. Yeah. Hopefully he recovers fully. Yeah, it's not easy. So props to him for be, being able to do it well. I haven't listened yet, but I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a video. They do like a video thing on YouTube and stuff. So, nice. Yeah, there's a few of the guys Simulcast. that get together. Look at that. I know. We do those sometimes, too. Well, we do. We got to do it. Hopefully this weekend we'll do... Uh, Think we'll do a tunnel vision? No. No, I told you I'm not available. Oh, you're not available. Crap. <laughs> so, so we're not sorry. doing one. I did. A, I did one with uh, Bill Plaschke. So there you go. Um, check that out. Yeah, we might do some more individual one-on-one tunnel visions as opposed to the the full live one. We'll get back into it. It's know. summer and we can't get all three of us in the same place. It's, it's hard to get a, us all in the same rough. room, uh, but we can all be in the same room now too. You know, true. So, um, we can do a weekday one next week we could yeah maybe we'll do that i think we should i like that there you go that's a good idea. we're just we're like uh, spitballing it right here inside a uscfold.com meeting on a podcast 100 but hope you guys check out the uh, bill plasky one we put it up as a podcast because the video sort of deteriorated over time but he's <laughs> fascinating did you did you i don't know if you got to hear it um if that's okay if you didn't but he he compliments you at what? the very beginning okay now i need to there you <laughs> I'm go just kidding. you shotgun like he he pays you guys compliments. No, he's super nice. He's always been such a nice guy. He he doesn't need to be like he's the guy who has the reputation where he could just kind of walk around the the press box or whatnot and and everyone just kind of lets him be. But he's super nice. Goes up and talks to people. And and the first time I sat next to him in a presser, he was like, "Hey, good good work." And I was like, "Oh my god, he's talking to me." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so he's super nice, and you love when people are like that in the in the industry. So he is. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, I think I took you know. Lindsay Theory, like he was the efficient, you know, efficient, whatever. Efficient? Efficient, I think, for the wedding. Uh, did a great job. He said he was really nervous uh, when Aww. he did it. Like, it's funny, like the most nervous for that. And I'm like, you're on TV all the time. He's around the horn. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. Getting scored like on your your sports takes, but you're more nervous to uh, get up in front of some friends and, uh, and, and do that. But yeah, he did a great job. And it was fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know there's people that, if you're going to be a columnist, People are going to hate you. Like, there's a lot, you know, we get people like Colin Coward on, and there's some people just hate him, but like, listen to him and like, oh, you know what? In this format, I like what he had. He had some really nice things to say about USC. So I know that some people think he hates USC or whatever, but if you listen to his interview, I don't, I did not get the impression that he hated USC. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, anything else before we uh, jump into questions? Uh, USC women's track and field won uh, a national championship. The sort of seemed, like under the radar this time. I don't know what it was. Like the last time was like that dramatic comeback, right? A couple yeah. of years ago. I believe it was the four by four hundred. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but crazy. It's crazy. They're so good. Anna Cockrell, she's amazing. She's yeah. so and she won like multiple awards since the national championship passed. But yeah, shouts to USC for getting another national championship. Right. So that's nice. Uh women's track. But and do we have a question on that or no? We do, so we can get into that after we'll get it out there yes. okay cool all right well why don't we take a quick break and uh we'll come back and answer your questions all right we're back here on the parastyle podcast man we got a lot of stuff we got a lot of voicemails look at that you want to start with what? Should we start with a voicemail? Go for it. Hmm, let's see. Where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? Why don't we go with this one? Hey, Ryan. John from Orange County. I was wondering, why isn't the staff, coaching staff, utilizing the speeder, speedster out of uh, San Diego, Keenan Kristen, I believe, um, similar to the role they used at Dory Jackson, like when they played in Notre Dame, it was a few few years ago. Um, put Dory Jackson in motion, do a swing pass, and let him take it to the house. I mean that uh, with that speed, it would certainly open up the offense. But um, I'm just surprised they're not utilizing him in unique ways to give him a straight line run to the end zone. Anyway, be interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah, 
Fans love speed. They do. They do. They it's want pretty to watch. It is fun to watch. And obviously, Adoree's a special player. He's a defensive player that they would put over there for kind of gimmicky stuff. I can see we've seen some of that kind of stuff, but you know, he wasn't around in the spring. He was doing track. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Um, you know, you got a couple guys transfer out, then you bring some guys in. It, we have to see where he ends up in the pecking order. We, I mean, I think the offense in general doesn't really know what it's doing with its running backs. And you got this sort of like niche running back, like his you know, specific skill set. And I don't think they've done a good job of finding ways to do it unless they just feel like he's not someone that they wanted to have on the field. I don't know. But I would like to see some plays for him. But I feel like they've sort of got watered down with what they were trying to do. I mean, you had like the the marquee steps of the world that everyone loved and was you know, doing good things, but then they just, you know, some of the short yard stuff, they didn't seem to know what to do there. Vavai was always just the guy that sort of was like, Oh, we'll just use him. And um, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. I, I, I just don't know the direction they were going with how they'd use the running backs. And I think you need a real specific direction if you're going to play around with Keaton Kristen. Yeah, I can understand John's point. Like, I do think that you can scheme better for a guy like Kristen when you have that unique talent, the the speed that he has. But the problem is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I remember with Adoree Jackson, when they tried to do those gimmicky plays, it was kind of just like everyone knew it was happening, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and and the thing is, is like if you do that with Keenan Kristen, like you have to have an offensive line and just an offense in general where, where even if the defense knows what's coming – they're good enough to be like, hey, yeah, stop us, and and you can't. But that's I don't think USC's at that level where they can stop, uh, where they can execute a play even if a defense knows that it's coming. And so I think that's an issue. And like you said, Keenan Kristen focused on track o- over the spring, and to me, it's an interesting decision. Obviously, he's super talented, so I get it. I understand why he would do that. But it was a this spring especially was a chance for him to really gain more playing time, gain more experience, um, and just get more time with the coaching staff because I feel like he's been a little bit in and out just because of, of his time with track. And, I mean, he was the main back, I believe, two years ago when all of those injuries happened. Right, yeah. He was, like, the guy. But the problem is that he's 5'10", 185, and I know Mike Jinx said he likes guys more in the 200 range. And if you can't pass protect, if you can't, if you're kind of a liability when you're not, when you don't have the hand, the ball in your hands, it's hard for you to be an every down back. And I just feel like they don't feel like Kristen is an every down back at this point. Now he, it, we've seen videos where he looks bulkier and he looks like a bigger guy, yeah, so maybe, maybe that helps him this season. But once again, he wasn't in spring camp, so we don't know if he has made that progress or if he looks better as an every down back or something like that. So I mean. He's a speed guy. He's definitely a guy you can put in and you know if if there's a hole, he's going to shoot through it. But can USC execute that? That's the big question. I'm just not sure. And I think think USC has bigger problems on the, in the running back room than just like, how do you get Kristen out there? I mean, there's a, I think if they improve the way the overall running backs room performs, it will help everybody, including Kristen. Like if, if other stuff's working, I think it makes it easier to bring him in for specific packages. The problem, like you said, Keely, is if you only bring him in and it's going to be some fly sweep or whatever, and like, okay, like that's, you can defend that. He has to be able to be on the field when he's not getting the ball and yeah. it's not a special play for him. Now, Adoris, pretty much if he got on the field, he was going to get the ball, but it worked <laughs> yeah. anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, you just can't. It it'll become a thing where on tape it's super easy to I- identify. Hey, when when uh, Kristen goes in, okay, that's going to be a, a gimmicky player. That's going to be you know a special play. So just watch out. It's going to be really easy for defenses to key on that. So yeah, I mean it's not going to be successful in the long run. Yeah, uh, you want to do an uh, email? Sure. I mean we have. I want to combine two because okay. they're similar subjects. So first is a text from Mike who says, uh, "Please tell me." The Jay Toys transfer was brought about because USC is now the front runner to land com- a commitment from JT Tui Malowau. That's the only way Helton will be able to save face in an instant where Chip Kelly just burgl- burglarized his draft class. Fight on, Mike. And then Frank in Sacramento sent us an email that said, "Could it be that uh, inside info on JT Tui Malowau's coming to USC is a uh, is why <laughs> Jay Toya left, or was it a family squabble with his cousin's family with a player already at USC that drove him to UCLA?" I don't know what that last question is r- referring to. Yeah. But these are separate things. Jay Completely Toya, separate. Yeah, Jay Toya and JT Tumalau are not connected at all. So 
I think we've addressed it many times uh, about it's, it's a family issue. It's an odd situation. Um, and we've said a million times, go to the war room. We put more info in there. But they're not connected. It wasn't like um, they whispered to him like, hey, we're, we know we're getting JT, so you better leave. And even if, say that was the case, they're both young enough where you wouldn't want to shoo off a guy that young in your 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 roster. You know, you'd still welcome the depth. So it's I, they're not related. <laughs> not a connection whatsoever. It's funny. People just kind of come up with theories and then they just post it on the message board and somehow it becomes like a thing. Yeah. Um, I think they were saying like Jay Toya, like, oh, he, he must have had bad grades. And then people say, oh, he had bad grades. And then we reported in the war room, like, oh, he was on the honor roll. Like, yeah. you know, like, no, he didn't have bad grades. He had like mm-hmm. one of the highest GPAs of all the incoming freshmen. So, yeah, then people would say this, like, oh, we're losing him. So we're going to get him. Like, no, there's no, like, that's not, no, like, no connection whatsoever. I call it a little bit of like video game syndrome where <laughs> I think people try and like uh, put video game theories. Like, it's a, you're like playing the game of college football, but yeah. it's, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, but thanks guys for the questions, but that's, uh, yeah, no, uh, no, no connection whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Shall we go to another voicemail? Yeah. Why don't we do that? Let's do, uh, speaking of recruiting, let's do this one. Hey, Parastyle Podcast. Uh, this is Dave from Iowa, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, I just wanted to call just to shout out Ryan to thank, to say thank you for mentioning Iowa in your most recent podcast. You know, to me, it's just great to know that, you know, Someone else knows knows that you know Iowa is also a state in the U.S. But uh, I just wanted to come and talk about the transfer portal, like John talked about last week. And I just wanted to say that you know, transfer portal, like we definitely need it in in, in college in college sports. I mean, when it comes to seventeen and eighteen year old signing, I mean, I, 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 to be honest, I feel like it's fair to uh, you know give them a chance to like, if they realize that they made a mistake and they were too immature, or you know it was kind of premature of them to sign it to the school or whatever. They have the right to you know leave like leave before they graduate with no penalty. So I just wanted to say that. And um, I, I know this may seem long for Ryan, but uh, so Ryan, it seems like you you really hurt on you know we need a good head coach. So you know if if Mike doesn't make it next season. Does USC, you know, triple or double or triple Mario Cristobal's salary to get to get him down to USC? Just curious. So I, I love this, and I I've got some um, feedback from people. Like, you know, they're like, "You guys keep talking about Clay Helton getting fired, and like, you know, he's the head coach and what." And like, people do this. Like, Dave comes in and gives us like this long preamble of nothing to do with firing Clay Helton and then the last 10 seconds of his like hour I mean a minute and a half voicemail is yeah who can Mario Cristobal take over when Clay Helton gets fired like he sort of snuck it in at the end you know I don't think we have even mentioned Clay Helton until this point of the podcast right <laughs> but people you know I, I I'm sorry if you're someone that doesn't want to hear that talk there's a lot of fans that do it just comes up um you know we try to always address it like hey Clay Helton's head coach you know, he's going to be that coach until he's not, um, you know, if there's rumors out there about someone taking over or whatever, I, I have a hard time picturing, you know, if they did make a change, bringing in a guy like uh, Mario Cristobal. I mean, he's shown he can recruit. USC's shown they can recruit. We haven't seen Mario Cristobal like win on the big stage. Yeah. They beat USC last year and whatever, like that was not, um, yeah, I I think you want to get if you're going to hire a head coach, you want to get someone that has proven that they can win and win big games and stuff. And you know, I Mario Cristobal can get there, but I think his you know his claim to fame is more on the recruiting side uh, than anything else. And if you, I mean, you took Dante Williams away from Oregon. <laughs> That's essentially taking, I think, what uh, Dave from Iowa wants, I guess, out of Mario Cristobal. But I would, uh, my only point here is that that's a very like old USC admin way of going about a college football head coach search. And I mentioned multiple times, like Mike, so- Mike Sosna, Mike Bone, and Brandon Sosna have a process, and they're going to execute that process if and when there is an opening. So right. there you go. Well, now, now, what was the rest of his stuff? It was, oh, it was like uh, I didn't fully catch it. I'm sorry, Dave from Iowa, and we haven't talked to him for a while because he's a Tunnel Vision regular. He's a Tunnel Vision so guy. Thanks for going to the voicemail. And we did we we have mentioned Iowa before. Yes, uh, shouts to up. Iowa. 
it comes up quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's good to have fans. They're really good fans there. I mean, they love love their college football. They're very dedicated, for yeah. sure. Yes. So, thanks, Dave. All right. And he even knew that the voicemail was too long for your liking. So, at least he knows he's he's uh, bothering you. <laughs> and he slipped his question at the very end. <laughs> Whatever works. Uh, we have an email from Steve in Poway who says, Hi, Keely and Ryan. As I listened to Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman's discussion on the ASU football recruiting situation, I couldn't help but wonder if there may be any pin action involving USC, good or bad. On the good side, I wonder if uh, there might be some ASU offensive lineman hitting the transfer portal in the coming weeks, still waiting for SC to pick up an offensive lineman in the transfer portal. Uh, you and everyone else, Steve. <laughs> and then, uh, or on the bad side, if some ASU coaches get fired, they might look uh, to USC's outstanding coordinators as possible head coaching candidates. Your thoughts? Best regards and fight on and win, Steve in Poway. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I listened to a bunch of people analyze um, this situation. It just seems really dumb. Like, it's one of those things where if you're going to cheat, like, at least have a path that you feel like you might not get caught. Like, this one, when you're bringing in 30 prospects, you're not signing all those guys. There's going to be a lot of dudes that are out there. And you're firing people that aren't on board, you know, staff members that aren't on board with the way that you want to handle this pandemic and how you recruit during it. You're going to, you've upset a whole lot of people that would be willing to talk to you, you know, and then you've brought in a lot of people that can be witnesses. It just seems like, what was the end game here? Like, okay, you got a bunch of people visiting. That's great. Um, you know, maybe it helped you in the recruiting. You've recruited some areas that you haven't, but there's, there's a lot of liability out there. So I, yeah, this one didn't make much sense to me, but if you listen to Bruce talking about it, and he, you know, they reported Pete Thamel had a good story on this and uh, for Yahoo and Bruce Feldman and the athletic had one too. Bruce mentions the ties to Southern California seven on seven. Um, USC has people that have tied to that. You know, they have USC people that, you know, like Chris Claiborne and uh, Chris Hawkins that went to Arizona state. So I, I don't know. We know all about Arizona state, but there seems to be like, there could be a bigger picture thing here. USC was so locked down. Um, I, I don't think it would have been possible to do what Arizona State was doing, but was there some one-offs? Who knows? But like, it sounds like there's more stuff out there from like, you know, who knows? Every Pac-12 school can be involved for all we know. But if everyone was, it just seems like there might have been like, oh, they brought this family into campus when they shouldn't have or something. Like maybe if something like that. This was this widespread, like huge thing that was going on that I don't think Crazy. you could have pulled off anywhere else. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know. As far as like the bad side could be, there might be other instances of this that have happened places like little one-off things, but I just can't imagine it happened at the kind of scale that it did here. The fact that you've upset all these people and like you basically fired people that weren't willing to do this. They're like, hey, this pandemic probably shouldn't be bringing people into campus. Oh, by the way, you missed three games. You know, like this is insane the way this all happened. Yeah. Um, such a weird story. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be good, bad, or indifferent coming from this, but there's, I, I don't see how people aren't fired at Arizona State for this. Yeah. That's basically the the line I've heard a lot when I've been asking around the, about the story. It's like, I they don't see how they survive this. And to Steve's point, I don't think USC would let, ASU and I don't even think ASU would be in the position to poach a USC staff member after yeah. stuff like this. Like I don't think you're just in that position. Um, but Ryan, I'm curious, what did you make of David Shaw, who's usually very careful mm. with his words and and the way he speaks to the media? He s was speaking publicly about this, which I thought was pretty crazy. And Oregon State's uh, athletic director spoke publicly as well. I thought that was interesting and maybe indicative that uh, people were this has had been. Growing a growing frustration, if you will. Yeah, um, David Shaw's come out a couple of times recently. Um, he said uh, he didn't really like the 9 a.m. kickoff time with Fox, so he kind of trashed Fox, who's a partner with the Pac-12. So yeah. that was weird. But then he said uh, on these illegal visits, it's a, it's a disrespectful thing to do. That doesn't sound overly harsh, but for me, being a lifer in this profession and a coach's kid, I believe in respecting our profession and respecting the other people in the profession. Um, so it's, uh, and I, Oregon state's athletic director, Scott Barnes said it's disheartening and disturbing, uh, would be how I would categorize it. And let me say, if what is out there turns out to be accurate, 
this is the problem with this one, not just that it's kind of dumb and you're definitely going to get caught. You've This is one of those violations that's really going to upset other coaches. You know, like yeah. if you never brought anyone and someone, you know, recruits are calling like, hey, I want to come to Stanford and see campus and stuff like, sorry, guys, we can't let you on. Like, well, I, you know, I won't say anything. We'll just, we, I'll come check it out and we'll just be down low. And like, no, we're not doing that stuff. And Arizona State's like having like official visit weekends. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's going to upset you. And it's, if someone made an extra phone call or stayed too long visiting with grandma on, you know, when they're out there, like, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. So, so weird stuff happens. Like this is one that just seems to really upset the other coaches that followed through and didn't do these kind of things. Yeah. So it's a weird one, but yeah, like the, for David Shaw to come out on the record um, on something NCA related like an NCA investigation that to me was shocking because usually when something's in the works or like there's an ongoing investigation it's very much like we'll see like oh I don't know but like that you could tell he was mad yeah yeah I mean it's if the allegations that we've read about are true that's pretty blatant like that's just hey no no like a regard for the rules here yeah and it's there's a, I mean, there's like a moral obligation too, as far as like, it's not just rules. It's like, you are literally putting people's lives in danger. I mean, Herm Edwards got COVID, you know, like you're bringing in people from all over the country into your, you know, what should be a bubble. This wasn't like, oh, with one person, like you basically brought these people from all over the country. You're picking people. You have no idea, you know, them and their families. You have no idea what they're, you know, if they were, COVID conscious or not, but even so, like you're bringing them in, mixing with everyone in your cohort, you know, all these cohorts are mixed together and Arizona State's the only team that missed three games in a row, you know, like, yeah, that's the, the, we don't know the direct correlation, but you've, you've put yourself, it was a, you know, obviously a risky time. You put your team at risk by bringing uh, these people in and then you're sending them home to the other parts of wherever they're from and like potentially spreading stuff around. So it just seemed like a very dumb thing to do. And, you know, wherever you fall in on how serious you should take COVID, like that's just one of those deals where it's like you have this big group of people that they're all connected. Uh, I know at USC, they tried to keep people in groups of 10 or whatever, but like, it seemed like Arizona state, you had this, you know, kind of big group to bring in all these outsiders and then sending them back. And it just having that process keep happening again. It just seemed like that's uh irresponsible to the you know to the community so society at large yeah i would definitely agree so i mean i'm curious what actually comes out because we it's it's reports so far so yeah but But apparently there's a dossier full of documents and you know i mean arizona state acknowledges it exists you know yeah like it's not like this is not a rumor like there's a no i know i'm just right cover us but yeah sure yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean we don't know we haven't seen it we don't know what's in there but we don't know the specifics i don't think they're arizona state's making this comment if it's like if they looked at it and it was a bunch of you know drawings kids drawings like okay this dossier has nothing in it you know (laughs) crayola stumping but yeah yeah uh we'll do a voicemail again here you go Hello, this question is for Keely and Ryan, and uh, it was just, it's just really about recruiting on the offensive side. So, and I was just wondering what do you think is causing the lag there? Do you think it's just, uh, the coaches themselves just aren't quite as prolific at recruiting, or do you think it's the air raid, or is, is causing some people hesitancy, or a combination of the two? And, and I guess just, uh, kind of go into a little bit of detail as to why you think what you think. Fight on, Jason Longhorn Country. Hey Jason, um, I mean, would you say it's fair, Keely? I don't know. Like, what do you mean? As far as like, are they lacking on the offensive side? I mean, we haven't seen the offensive lineman stuff maybe as much, but like, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, you get a guy like Jackson Dart. I know Seth Dagey had a big uh, hand in that. Um, it's hard because I think people are kind of all or nothing when it comes to offensive recruiting, and it's like, okay. You either get the five-star offensive tackle or it's horrible. You know what I mean? And I I do think it's definitely – from my point of view, no, who knows? I just feel like it does seem like the offensive recruiting is a little bit 
uh, less than the defensive side. Like you can just tell the offensive side is really into it. I mean, excuse me, the defensive side is really into it. Um, they're on Twitter all the time. They're really putting in the effort. And we heard them talk about it uh, when they were uh, added to USC staff. So I think it's just a different mindset on that side of the ball. But I do think uh, they're still putting in work. I mean, we've heard Seth Deggie's name a lot. Uh, when it comes to the offensive recruiting. And I believe um, uh, Clay McGuire has hit the ground running trying to get uh, solid connections in California. So, I mean, it's different. You're you're marketing a different product than uh, on defense. So I, I don't know. I'm trying to, to pick my words carefully here, but I <laughs> it's definitely it's different on both sides of all. I'll say that. It is. And I feel like you look at the class right now for 2022, um, it's nine players. Four of them are on the offensive side. Yeah. But the two highest ranked guys are on the defensive side. So I get it. But you got, you know, two four-star offensive players, a tight end and a quarterback, and you got a, you know, three-star wide receiver and running back. But they're both, you know, top 500 guys. So it's, like, it's not like they're that far off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how the class ends up. But I wouldn't – you don't look at this class and go, man, they're just not recruiting on offense. You'd like to see you – know, the problem is they do have a lot of offensive linemen on the roster right now. There's yeah. what like 19 guys or something. Um, and they probably weren't the highest ranked guys that they brought in the last couple of years. So that might be a little tougher to bring in guys, but yeah, you'd like to see, uh, you know, you have a five-star cornerback, you have a five-star defensive lineman. You'd love to see a five-star offensive tackle there. And I think if you brought in someone like that, it changes the narrative a little bit, but yeah, I also think just the continuity issue um on the offensive side is hard to gain it's hard to gain momentum recruiting momentum when you lose your offensive line coach when there's guys in the transfer portal or you have uh your first year tight end coach leave for Ole Miss and now you have a new tight end coach you know you there but they still got Michael Trigg but uh it's just hard where I think we're seeing the momentum that the defensive side is having after a year in the system and being really connected as a uh, entire unit versus there has been some shuffling on the offensive side. So I think that does impact like the continuity and the, just the relationship building you need to have in the recruiting world. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, wide receiver recruiting has been an interesting one for me. I think it's, it's dropped off a little bit in my opinion, but yeah. um, we'll see. We'll definitely see about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but having two four-star quarter, quarterbacks uh, coming in there, um, you know, you had a four-star running back from the class of 2021, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, fairly highly ranked receiver. Uh, you know, it's they brought in recruits on the offensive side of the ball, but like you want to see that offensive tackle. So we'll see if uh, if they're able to do that. That That's probably going to be more of, uh, hey, we're showing how the offense works. Um, it's going to be great. They're running the football more. I think that helps with overall offensive recruiting if it's not like a one sided thing for the offense. If it's not just, yeah. you know, air raid throwing the ball all over the place, which still you get. You know, still be very effective, but I think you'd like to see a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, we have a question from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, said, "Hey, Ryan and Keeley, uh, the choice of Quincy Watts as director of track and field is the right call for my by Mike Bone. Excuse me. Uh, the Trojans won the national championship because of its sprinters who Quincy coached. Carl uh, Carol Smith." Gilbert taking the Georgia job must not have been a surprise. I know that Ryan does not like the hiring of ex uh, Trojans for head coaching positions, but in this case, Quincy was the best and he is a champion Trojan who's recognized for his coaching ability. Your thoughts on the situation fight on when Dan class of 1962. Hey Dan, I have no clue what's going on with, with track. So <laughs> like, I'm not, I, I'm not saying don't hire USC people ever for head coaching jobs. I'm saying stop hiring former players to be the athletic director is the main thing and stop hiring Guys with USC connections just because they have USC connections. Um, I trust the process that, you know, that Mike Bowen has. And if they feel that, um, you know, Quincy Watts is the best uh, available candidate, then, you know, you go with it. I don't know. I can't, I don't know diddly about track. I couldn't tell you uh, why. Um, you know, losing Smith Gilbert to Georgia, I think that's a, that's a tough one, right? I mean, because she was two championships in, what, three years? Um, you know, her son's on the team still, I believe. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That's someone that you would want to keep cause she, you know, it wasn't easy to win at USC where you don't have all these scholarships. So you got these walk-ons that have to pay a lot of money cause you're giving partial scholarships to, to everyone. But 
the fact in your the way you're describing it, Dan, saying that um, he's the best. He's a champion Trojan. So that's not a reason to hire someone as the head go, as the head coach. You know, so it's great that he was a champion Trojan, but that shouldn't be in your reasons of why to hire him. So if that's if that's your main reason why you're hiring him, I think that's the wrong reason. I don't think that's why Mike Bowen hired him. So there were other uh, things. That was, I believe, the cherry on top, if you will. Yeah, he made it sound like that was the thing, right? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. He said that he's uh, they won the national championship because of its sprinters. So, I mean, overall, I do believe that Carol Smith Gilbert going to Georgia was a bit of a surprise. That's something yeah. that I don't think that they were anticipating. And then Quincy Watts, um, you could tell when he got hired, a lot of people chimed in on social media and were like, well-deserved. He's a guy who's been in the wings. Like, uh, So I think like uh, – Dan said like he's a guy who really developed his sprinters well and had I believe he was eight years as an assistant under uh Carol so uh seemed like it's well deserved once again we are not track experts so yeah <laughs> that's the best well, we can you do are. I don't I am not I've just heard things about what's going on but I it's not my forte I'll yeah say that. but uh you know congrats to uh Quincy Watts and you know he was a champion Trojan but he's also you know been on the the staff for a long time his experience matters yeah so i think this is you know this one just on the surface makes sense if it was like ah, that looks weird to me uh this doesn't look weird to me but i'm just not an expert in track to know enough about that all right uh we got one last voicemail let's do it oops this is the wrong one this is the uh, the voicemail <laughs> okay hey peristyle this is curtis from moreno valley i want you guys to notice something about usc's coaching staff if they would have hired assistants and coordinators from Florida, we would have had inroads to all the people they were recruiting in that region when they worked in Florida, and we could get them, would have a good chance to get them to come to USC. So what's happened, we got a bunch of people from Texas. And you know when it started? With the Cliff Kingsbury hire. A long time ago, Lynn Swan had nothing to do with it, hopefully. It was Clay Helton. Then when the NFL took Kingsbury within a month, he hired another coach from Texas. Mike Bond wasn't even at the school. So I think Clay Helton and Mike Bone cooked up the Texas plan. And now we're getting people from the South. Gerard told us it was hard for the, in the Pete Carroll years to get any linemen from the South. They mama's boys. They don't want to leave the home cooking. Well, it looks like the, the linemen, especially defensive linemen, are coming because of Corey Foreman. You want to play with somebody who's going to have to be double teamed. That's why Corey Foreman came, because he knew Drake Jackson was going to have to be double teamed. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Curtis, kind of a lot out there. I think there's something to be said, though, when you do have a five-star defensive end, you have someone that's a stud coming in. Um, you know, it, it helped that Drake Jackson and Corey Foreman played in high school together. Whenever I would interview Corey Foreman, like he just gushed about Drake Jackson, you, you could tell he wanted to play with him again, and not just because of his ability as a player, but there's that connection there. And yeah, if you, I think it helps when you know, oh, that the guy I'm going to come in there and they can't double team me because I got to double team that guy. I, I think that can be helpful. Yeah, but to be fair, Vixa Oto was the main recruiter for uh, Michael Williams, and he came from Virginia. Like he's not a Texas guy. Yeah. Um. So I think it's also just putting in hard work in recruiting, but I don't think there there was this massive. Texas plan, if you will, like right. that Curtis suggested. I don't think that was a thing. So you don't think that Mike Bone called uh, Clay Helton in the office and said, you know what, Clay? You got some coaches from Texas. Let's recruit Texas. You know? <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's the case. And we've talked about this a lot on the Family Feud podcast because I know the P is very like persnickety about this. And like we've gotten questions about it. Like, why are they going for Texas guys rather than California guys? One, um, it's interesting if you look at some of the articles that Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman have come out with, the talent in, in California right now in this class is not the greatest. So that's one issue. Two, yeah. 
you know, football is so such a big deal in Texas. And like, if you are not good with the high school coaches, you're not good as a recruiter in Texas. You know, if you're at a Texas university and obviously uh, Craig Nivar and Todd Orlando were. And so I think evaluation wise, they would rather trust, you know, the high school coaches and the territory they've been in uh, to go get guys rather than going into areas where maybe they're not as familiar with or don't have as many connections. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like if you feel confident in your valuation and the people you're talking to, to get certain recruits, I mean, I think that works, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of this is just organic where I don't think they felt like let's go hire a bunch of people from Texas, but you know, you, the cliff Kingsbury thing turned into Graham Harrell because you lose him and you wanted to like keep that air raid thing going. And, um, you know, Mike Leach was a Texas Tech guy. If the air raid was run in, let's talk about Iowa, like you might have been able to get a bunch of Iowa guys. Now, you probably wouldn't wouldn't help you on the recruiting front as much as it would uh, in Texas. But, you know, when you bring in the Todd Orlando's of the world and he has Craig Nivar that was on his staff, uh, you know, that's there's opportunities there. Well, you can get transfers from there because you, you wherever you hire someone from, oh, you got a transfer from that former school. Guess what? Craig Nivar recruited him or Todd Orlando recruited him and they knew him on the roster. And part of the recruiting, the, the transfer portal stuff is, I mean, are these guys damaged goods, right? Like you're, there's a reason there's a give and take of why I've got yeah. someone's in the portal. And if you have a coach that was on the other side of it, and you're like, here's what went down. Here's why he's in the portal. If it was because like he was stealing everyone's laptops in the locker room and was a cancer on the team, you're like, yeah, we don't want him. Or if it was like, it just, the system just didn't work for him. He was like homesick, whatever it was. There's like all these good reasons. Like he's a great player and here's how we screwed up and why it didn't work out for him. You're much more likely to go after that guy than the one that could potentially be a cancer in your locker room. So I think it's sort of snowballed a little bit where you got some guys from Texas. It allowed you to hire other people from Texas. Their transfers are from Texas. What is like, I think of the nine transfers, like six of them. Or from Texas, from the state of Texas, or something seven like that. Of them are. Seven of them, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, you know, that's plus four, you know, players from high school. So I think there's like 12, 12 or thirteen guys that you know from Texas that they are bringing in in this cycle, and that's not going to last forever. When I, I covered Fresno State for a couple years, um, and uh, you know when they had a staff, you know Tim DeRuiter took over. He was the defensive coordinator at Texas A and M. They had a staff that was really heavy Texas, and uh, he's now the defensive coordinator up at Oregon. I think he does a great job. He was at Cal before, but I didn't like what they did because they almost exclusively recruited Texas. And you know, Devontae Adams like killing it. Like they had guys like that that were from California, and they sort of let that those pipelines go, and it didn't help them. I know it's in the weeds, but. I think they relied on it too much. So I think you need a mix of it. Uh, for I think that would work better. Uh, and, you know, Tim DeRuiter, I like a lot. He was a first-time head coach. I think that was probably, if he could do it again, he would change that. Um, but you still, even though it's a down year for California, you still got to recruit that hard. Yeah. But you have this sort of like, I guess a better way to put it, it's like low-hanging fruit. Like, it's going to be easier if you recruit some guys from Texas for a couple of years because of those connections. Now, the longer you're away, the less those connections will be. You'll still have relationships with high school coaches and things like that. But from the actual Texas roster, yeah, like you're not going to have as many there. But there's, yeah. I think just the way it's working out, I don't feel like, I, like Keely said, there was some master plan. But if you if you happen to hire a bunch of guys from Florida, you're probably recruiting Florida hard. If you happen to hire like the whole staff from like Iowa State, yeah, you, maybe you get a recruit or two or a transfer or something, but you're not going to be able to rely, you're not going to bring in like 12 or 13 guys from the state of Iowa, because there's just not that many D1 prospects like there are in Texas. Yeah, and that also means that like you have to find someone who not only, okay, they're from Florida, they fit the opening that you have, like say it's a defensive line opening, they fit that opening, and they're also good recruiters on top of it. It's it's a probably harder ask than you'd think to yeah. try and try and organize that or scheme that. And and just to reiterate, like it's all about relationships, and so as these new coaches who are in California are building relationships with guys, uh, high school guys in California, they're going to rely on the previous relationships that they built for many, many years. And that's just kind of the product of what recruiting is. It's all relationships. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, a bad thing. 
you look at a resume. So if you're Clay Helton and you're hiring an assistant coach, they're going to have a resume. They're going to have a track record. I mean, part of it could be like, hey, I coached two Heisman winning quarterbacks. You're like, okay, so obviously the guy can develop talent or recruit it or, or both. Um, there's some things that are like in your control or maybe out of your control. Like if Keely puts her resume out there and she's like, oh, I've got a broadcast journalism degree from the University of Southern California. And the guy hiring her happens to be a USC grad. Like that's probably in, in her benefit, right? Um, if the guy hiring her happens to be from the University of Miami and, you know, that's not, you know, whatever. There just wasn't a connection there. It doesn't mean her degree is bad or good or whatever. It's just if she happened to have a connection with someone that, you know, was across the country and the guy went to USC too, like that's probably going to help her. If you're on your resume, it's like, I got I'm an amazing recruiter and I have all these ties throughout Indiana high school situation, you know, I'm like you might be a USC. You're like, Oh, that's cool. But that's probably not going to help us much. If you have all these recruiting ties in Texas or Florida, you're USC. You're like, Oh, that's probably going to help me more. Even though the guy from Indiana might be a better recruiter, but the tie, the connections, the relationships that Keely mentioned he has might not be as enticing as someone that maybe is a little bit less recruiter, but their ties are in a more fertile recruiting ground. So I, I think you have to look at all of it. I don't think there's some master plan. Go get a whole bunch of Texas guys and we're going to recruit Texas because the, the class of 2022 is not going to be that great in California. I mean, you just got to utilize the, you know, everyone has benefits and positives and negatives. Every school, when you're recruiting your USC, you're selling, you know, being in the big city, you're selling, putting guys in the NFL. Um, if there's a guy that wants to live in a rural, you know, area, like that's going to be a harder sell, but that's just, you got to look at the positives of what you bring as a, as a person, as a coach, as a university and sell those. And I think, People sold their Texas connections and it's working out well, but I don't think it was part of some master plan. Yes. Agreed. Man, that was a long ramble there. Well done, though. Sorry. All right. Well, good stuff, Keely. It good was fun. Good stuff, Mr. Abraham. Uh, well, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, this show. Uh, yeah, we took last week off, but you guys did a family feud. So is there a family feud coming up this week? Or? Not sure. Shotgun is in transit right now, so we don't know where in the world Carmen San Diego is. But we got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, still some recruiting stuff. We're going to have, uh, I think we'll have a little special. If you're not a VIP member yet, Ooh. check it out this weekend. So we'll try to give something a little tice you to get in there. But there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's been so much uh, information up on the site. Gerard Martinez, Chris Trevino, I mean, Shotgun, you, uh, you guys are killing it. So, and the, all the national analysts, you know, Brandon Huffman's and Steve Whitfong, like all those guys are just helping bring in yeah, information insane. to the site. The so. coverage has been incredible. I mean, if you're not a VIP subscriber, you're missing out on, on a unprecedented recruiting month. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane. So hopefully you guys can all go check it out. But uh, uh, maybe we'll try to do another recruiting you know, podcast with Blast podcast. Maybe this weekend or something. But all right. Well, that is Keely Yor. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 